Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner Khan. The techniques I learned only a few years ago, but because I started so many years ago and I'd written so many pieces of contempt that were well referenced uh, with very good backlinks, I was able to build success on those very solid uh, foundations. Today on episode 532 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with the founder of Into the Minds, Pierre-Nicolas Schwab. I'm going to ask Pierre-Nicolas how content can generate leads and much more. Find out more about Pierre Nicolas along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Right now, digital marketing is more important than ever to keep your business going. Your clients need to know you are there to help them deal with their challenges. Our friends at SiteHub have many resources to help your audience stay aware of how you can help them. Contact SiteHub today at YourSiteHub.com. Now let's welcome Pierre-Nicolas Schwab. Dr. Pierre-Nicolas Schwab is the founder of market research agency Into the Minds. He has carried out more than 100 assignments in various industries, combining his passion for data and qualitative methods to better understand customer behaviors. Pierre-Nicolas was the manager in charge of big data for Belgium Public Broadcasting, from 2015 until 2019. He served as chairman of the Big Data Initiative of the European Broadcasting Union from 2016 until 2019. He holds a Master in Science in Material Science, an MBA in Strategy, and a PhD in Quantitative Marketing. Pierre-Nicolas, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Thank you, David, for having me. Pierre-Nicolas, why did you start your company, Into the Minds? Well, as you said, well, I'm an engineer, so I learned engineering many, many years ago, 20 years ago. And um, when I did my MBA, it was kind of a revelation. So I understood that uh, marketing existed, which is something that I didn't learn before. And I just wanted to apply it, to use it, uh, to test the things that I had learned at the university. So I found a first client. And what we did actually worked. So um, it gave me the idea more than 15 years ago just to start as a consultant. And that's how I started. Just my passion for marketing, which came from the MBA, um, well, led me to start that uh, that activity. And it grew and grew and grew. And today we have 10 people uh, working on various assignments in World Europe. Congratulations on the success of your business, the growth of your business. What problem do you primarily solved in your business for your clients? Well, obviously, the, the main problem for me was to find clients. Yeah. And uh, the main problem that we find uh, when getting clients' requests was how to grow revenue, how to uh, increase customer uh, satisfaction, how to, how to increase customer loyalty. So those were the domains uh, where we focused our attention and where we developed our uh, expertise over, over the years. Mm-hmm. And what what was the method you initially used to try to deal with customers that wanted to increase revenue and increase customer satisfaction? Well, satisfaction was actually one of the solutions that we um, that we offered. Well, at that time, fifteen years ago, when you increase satisfaction, you well pretty much automatically uh, increased customer loyalty and 
when you increase loyalty, by a matter of fact, uh, you also increase your revenues and because your costs uh, decrease and your bottom line also uh, increases. So this is the method that we uh, used to apply until recently, but now it's more and more difficult because the, the behaviors of consumers have changed. It's much more difficult to understand what um, what they're looking for, how to make them stick to a particular uh, brand. So uh, currently we're using a whole bunch of new methodologies to understand how to increase uh, loyalty. Mm. And who's your ideal client? Well, that's a good question. Well, uh, you know, we work for... Um, Particularly all uh, all sectors, all uh, all industries. It goes from uh, from e-commerce to uh, energy sector through uh, banks and insurance companies. So I don't think we have an idle um, client. We, we just need someone with open enough to try new things. And um, in the in the current times, I think that's pretty difficult because in crisis time, people tend to well look at their costs only and not necessarily at how to increase revenues. They try to uh, control costs uh, even even better. So they are, they are not keen on uh, trying new things, unfortunately. Mm. So if your customers are essentially industry agnostic and you say they, they want to try new things, is there something that is specific enough that you would know, yes, this person is a good candidate for our services, or no, this person is not, or this company is not a good candidate? Well, there are certainly a few signs that show you that a person or company is not a good candidate. When companies just want to redo the same things that they've ever always done in the past, they are certainly not good candidates. So we, for instance, when companies just want to run yet another satisfaction survey or um, that kind of thing, they're not good for us. They're they're not interesting to us. Uh, What we really want is to, well, face customers who have had big problems, we haven't found the solutions, and they come to us to be creative enough uh, to come up with techniques, methods uh, to solve their problems. Uh, so they've often tried other methods to to solve the particular problem before they come to you. Yeah, absolutely. So we have had clients, for instance, in the telecom sectors that I've worked with big four uh, companies, and well, they hadn't found a solution to their problem. So they come to us and say, "Well, that's that's what we have done." Uh, we have recently had a customer in the energy sector who worked with a very famous big four uh, company, and uh, they were disappointed with the results. And then they say, "Well," What else can we do? And because we are so agnostic and we use so many different methodologies that are academic or scientific methodologies, we can often propose them something different, something that hasn't been uh, proposed to them before. And Pierre-Nicolas, how do you typically, how do prospects or leads become aware of you? Because if you're, particularly if you're offering is somewhat general in description. I'm wondering how how a company might realize that they have a problem that you your company specifically has the expertise to solve. Well, that's a very good question, actually. <laughs> I have been very uh, present on um, well online for like in the last 15 years, as you uh, probably know. I have had that blog uh, of mine with thousands and thousands of articles that I wrote on satisfaction, loyalty, uh, all kind of industries and marketing in, in general. 
So people find us primarily uh, through internet. Sometimes they call, sometimes they write, but uh, they find us doing an online search. And you're right, sometimes they're not aware of their needs, but at least we have uh, written so many different pieces of content over the years that they will certainly find something which is related to their problems or to their industry. And when they read our pieces of content, usually, well, they want to get in touch with us just to understand what we can offer and who we are and whether we can work with them. So that's how way to get uh, to get clients. We do that. Or actually, we are not very we are not active at all. We just wait for customers to contact us. So that's something I think pretty unique. And that's why we invest so much money, so much energy in creating content text content, video content, and obviously also audio content like uh, today. Mm. That's really fascinating. And I, and I think um, many people would be envious of your ability to generate leads strictly through content creation. Yeah, you have to do, you have to be, well, perseverant. You have to be resilient also when, uh, when you do this. And you have also to have a very good discipline when creating uh, content. So I write uh, nine articles a week in three different languages, and I have been doing that for uh, many years now. And that's how we rank, how we are able to rank on Google, for instance, on more than 2,000 keywords. So that's that's pretty unique. And that gives also a lot of value to the, to the company because, as you say, that's pretty rare not to be forced to go to customers to, um, well, make yourself known or uh, to get contracts. Pierre-Nicholas, how did you learn all these different techniques for turning content into, into the right kinds of awareness that would a- end up generating leads? Uh, we, I wish I had a, a success recipe for you, David, but unfortunately I don't. Well, I, when I started that blog 15 years ago, it was, well, you know, just for me, like a diary, a personal diary to express my feelings and to share my passion for, uh, for marketing and market research in particular. And and from there, it grew up into something more structured. So the techniques I learned only a few years ago, but because I started so many years ago and I had written so many pieces of content that were well-referenced uh, with very good backlinks, I was able to build success on those very solid uh, foundations. So it's a mix of luck and a mix of a little bit of technique and, well, you know, um, how to write, how to use the right keywords. And I'm I'm getting better and better each and every day because I'm reading a lot um, and I'm I also start writing on SEO now on my uh, on my blog, so that's something that um, your listeners, uh, people listening to your podcast, may also be interested in. Yeah, so it's not just being prolific and generating volume; it's also having some kind of infrastructure and techniques that will that'll make it more likely for the content to be seen, heard, or viewed by the right people. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's. I noticed that some of the pieces that I wrote like 10 years ago, they were so bad from a, from, from a technical perspective that they are virtually invisible now on, on the internet. And some, well, other pieces of content that were, well, worse in terms of, of content, but better in terms of, of techniques, they rank much better and they actually generate a very decent traffic on our website. So, yeah, that's... That's that's pretty unusual. That's pretty per and that's that's paradoxical, but that's uh, how it works. Pierre Nicholas, do you go back and look at some of those old posts and and revise them so that they 
are more likely to be found? Absolutely. We do that on a, perhaps not on a daily basis, but on a weekly basis. So I try to revise at least 10 pieces per week because Google likes this. Uh, and because, uh, well, some of the articles uh, that we have uh, published many years ago still generate a lot of, of traffic. So it's very good to update them to show Google and the other search engines that um, while you are keeping your content fresh and updated. And I'm actually, I'm actually doing that with the podcasts as well. Uh, so for instance, when I record a podcast with a guest uh, in a certain industry, I did that, for instance, this morning with um, someone who specialized in the insurance industry, then I will take little cuts or little extracts from the from the podcast and include them in the articles that I wrote, for instance, like three or four years ago, adding a little bit of text uh, around the podcast, around uh, the sound extract, and um, then updating the date. And, and here it goes. And it pops up suddenly much better in, in Google search. Wow. Kapir, Nicholas, I'm, I'm curious to know how you think content creation might be helpful in getting a business through a very turbulent period. I think when, when the history books write about the year 2020, there is going to be a lot of chaos and turbulence that will be part of the story. And content creation, as we've discussed, is a long-term effort. What do you see as the, the ways in which content can be beneficial to get through rough times? Well, certainly you have to keep publishing content also through the crisis. So that's very important. And the reason is you want to stay top of mind. Uh, so you want people, clients, prospects, but also other types of people to remember you and to identify you as an expert in your domain so that it will increase the odds of fewer being found by people when they have a need. Um, so that's how we want to go through the crisis. At the same time, it's also... Well, this is all a dangerous strategy in the sense that uh, if you rely only on the internet, and that's something that I will have to cope with in the next few weeks or few months, then when people are not looking for for certain types of services, when they are not searching for, uh, for market research or marketing uh, consulting services, then obviously they will not find you. So one thing that I probably will need to do in the next couple of weeks is not to rely anymore on online searches to find clients, but to be more proactive and to go to those who are reading us, uh, who are listening to us, just to inquire whether uh, they, they need us. But that content creation activity that I have had in the last 15 years helps me build that reputation, uh, that credibility that I need. Uh, and obviously something which is also uh, very interesting is my PhD, my Doctor uh, title helps a lot being credible in the eyes of uh, of prospects and customers. Mm. So what are your thoughts about, about continuing to invest money in the content creation? Because, you know, it, it either takes time or money or both to produce the content. One of the things that we've all seen is this um, often quick reaction to cut marketing expenses when times are tough. And anyone who studies business trends knows that one of the most important things to maintain during a difficult economic period is marketing, because eventually the market comes back. And those that have maintained communication throughout a tough period are generally the first ones to be able to get new business. Um, so what are your thoughts about 
finding ways to continue to invest time and or money in content creation during a tough period? So I will certainly keep doing that. Uh, I will just do it a different way. So blog posts, I mean, that costs nothing to do if you do it by yourself. So that's pretty easy. I mean, there is no no hidden costs uh, behind. You just have a WordPress blog, something like this. And well, the cost for publishing a piece, a piece of content, an article is virtually zero. A podcast, that's something different. Yeah, so you should keep doing that definitely because that's an emerging uh, format at least in Europe uh, so that may help you differentiate from the crowd and show people that you're doing something different and it can be done on a budget so I, I've explained my recipe on my blog on how, how I can do a podcast for less than 50 dollars uh, 50 euros uh, that's pretty easy video that's something different so we have done a lot of video in the past I actually hired someone to do videos that's something that I will need to reconsider because videos are very expensive uh, to do. It's usually more than 1,000 uh, euros, 1,000 dollars to do uh, one piece of video of uh, two to uh, four minutes. And the return on investment is more difficult to um, to calculate. So that's something that I will uh, let apart from the moment and I will just focus on well, articles and, uh, and podcasts and try to combine both, uh, attracting also guests um, who are in desperate need of visibility is something that uh, I'm coming a lot on, uh, upon. Pierre-Nicolas, what, what's your dream for your business? Where, where would you like it to go? That's a good question. You know, you, uh, you had asked me that question five years ago. I would have said, well, a big company, like 50 people. I, I know, well, by U.S. standards, that's small. But by European standards, that's, uh, that's pretty big in our uh, industry, at least. So uh, 50 people, market agency, a marketing agency would have been uh, really good. But currently, you know, small is beautiful, as they say. And uh, I prefer it the way like it is today with 10 people uh, to manage. Uh, it's much easier to have um, a smaller ship to navigate through uh, the waves and through uh, the bad weather than uh, a bigger one. I do not need to lay off uh, any people, which is also something pleasant, at least for me as a as a founder, as a managing director. So I, I would keep it small, flexible, uh, like it is today. And I certainly do not have the dreams uh, anymore of uh, of going big. Pierre Nicholas, if somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today or get in touch with you, where would they go? Well, they just go on our website at www.intotheminds.com or they just send me an email at pm at intotheminds.com. Great. Well, Pierre Nicholas, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. My guest today has been the founder of Into the Minds, Pierre Nicholas Schwab. Thank you again, Pierre Nicholas, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Today, we learned how content can generate leads and much more. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them smash the plateau. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you help us bring Smashing the Plateau to you for free. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.